open your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and we're going to look at verse 4. Everybody good? Everybody comfortable? Awesome. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, In my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And then in verse 5 it says, That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but where is our faith in? Say this with me. My faith is in the power of God. When your faith is in the power of God, it's not in the tenets of your denomination. It's not in the doctrines of man. And it's not really in your favorite preacher. Our faith is in the power of God. And of course, people that are not saved, they say, well, where there's no evidence of God's power. Are you kidding me? Just look around. You are evidence of God's power. Think about creation. When he created the universe, well, somebody says, well, you know, I just believe in the Big Bang. Well, that is an unproven scientific theory. Why? Because it's not true. And you know, you can't prove something that's not true. Is that right? Now, somebody said, well, that's just my theory. Whenever I hear that, I immediately think of what my spiritual father, Dad Hagen, said. He said, a theory is a supposition based on ignorance of the subject under discussion. <laughs> and so there's a lot of theories out there that are not true. <clears throat> now, none of us were there when God spoke the universe into existence, but we believe. We don't just have a concept here. We have an experience. How many of you have experienced the presence of the Lord? Anybody here been healed, delivered, filled, sanctified, set apart? You were there before you got born again. But when you got born again, the light of life, eternal life came into your spirit and lit you up and set you apart and delivered you from death and brought you into the glorious kingdom of life. Nobody can tell you that there is no God. You're living proof that Jesus is Lord, that our God is God, and the devil is defeated. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. It's like someone coming to you along, coming to you and saying, Hey, there's no water in that pool, and you're swimming. Right? And you're wet. And they're trying to tell you there's no water in there. Well, you can't convince me because I am wet. And you'll never convince me that there is no God. Because I'm wet with His presence. I'm wet with His goodness. I'm wet with His favor. I'm wet with His power. I'm wet with His grace. I'm wet. I'm swimming in the goodness and in the glory of God. Woo, hallelujah. We got any wet people out there? 
Brenda was talking about the King of Glory coming in. A saturation of the presence of God that will make you wet. Hallelujah. He will anoint you with fresh oil. Can you say amen? So I want you to see something here out of verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 2. He said a couple things. And my speech and my preaching. In other words, not just what I'm preaching, but my words. My words in my everyday life. My words in my everyday ministry. Yeah, my preaching demonstrated the power of God but also my daily speech and my daily words are in demonstration of the power of God. Jesus is our very best example of a God-man, hallelujah, that walked in power. And the main way that he released his power was with his words. He would say, rise and be healed. Stretch forth your hand and the leprosy would leave. He would say, peace be still. He demonstrated for you and I the authority that is in faith-filled words that contain the power of God when they are released from our heart out of the words of our mouth. And this is not just for Jesus. This is for all of God's children. (laughs) You know, if we're going to experience greater demonstrations of the power of God in our daily life and in our church, it will always be connected to our words. In Proverbs chapter 18, in verse 20, he says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips he shall be filled. How many here want to live a satisfied life? Do you want your life filled with the things that you need? Well, it is connected to your mouth. It is with the increase of your lips is how you get full. You got to increase in your mouth before you increase in your body. You've got to increase in your mouth before you can increase in your bank account. Well, I just heard the organ on that one. In verse 21, he said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This is not just talking about getting your needs met. This is talking about very death and life are in the power of the tongue. How serious is it what we say? I want to encourage you this morning. Never speak death. Never speak fear. Never speak lack. Never speak weakness. For your words are containers and your words license either God or the enemy to go to work on your behalf. God has made you and I speaking spirits. And with the words that we speak, 
we can see things change in our lives. With the words and the prayers that we speak over our nation, we can see change. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is how we function. Use your words to change things. Now notice with me in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is addressing a certain group of people. And what I want you to see is the principle here in Matthew the 12th chapter. And we're going to look at verse 34. Notice with me the last phrase of that verse. Read it with me. For out of the abundance of the heart... In other words, what we are full of is going to come out. Therefore, it would behoove us to be very, very mindful of our intake. Because what we're taking in is what is going to come out. Now notice in verse 35, he says, a good man, that's you and I, out of the good treasure of the heart. The treasure of the heart. When you put God's word in your heart in abundance, it becomes a treasure. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth what kind of things? How does a person bring forth good things of the treasure that is in their heart. They do so by the words of their mouth. And of course, an evil man or a natural man or a carnal man, out of the treasure, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. And so we can see very clearly this morning that we bring forth good or bad, death or life, by the words that we speak. Now notice the next verse. There's a revelation in here I want you to get this morning. In verse 36, But I say unto you that every, everyone say idle word. Every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account of thereof in the day of judgment. Read verse 37. For by thy words thou shalt be what? Justified. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. How did you get to justification? How did you get from being unrighteous to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? By believing in your heart and saying with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord. For it is with the heart that man believeth, and it is with the mouth that confession is made unto justification or salvation. Woo, glory to God. And so by our words, we're justified. And we don't want to center up on judgment because we're not interested in that. So if I do not want to be judged, I better not judge you. And if you don't want to be judged, you better not judge Brenda. You better not, or you might have to deal with the birthday boy. Now, judgment is a very, very serious thing. Now, notice with me. Our confession will be brought up by the Master Himself before the Father. 
He said, whoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. If you've not yet confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you may believe that he died for you. You may believe that he rose again from the dead. That's good. That's the starting place. But you need to take it a step further and confess him as your Lord and Savior. And you can do that before this service is over. Now, I want to look at the word idle for a few moments. Look at Matthew chapter 20. And verse 3. And we'll give you a definition of what the word idle means. In Matthew 20 and verse 3, he said, And he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And he went out in verse 5 about the 6th and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the 11th hour he went out and found others standing what? And he said to them, Why stand ye here all day idle? The word idle is the same word that we just read early in the book of Matthew. That we shall give account of every what? idle word. Now the word idle literally means to be unemployed, inactive, or not working. It also can be translated lazy and careless and useless or barren. So what are words that we will have to give an account of? He said every idle word. In other words, every word that is not working, every empty word, every careless word, every unemployed word. I say by the head of the church today, some of you need to employ your words and get out of the idleness, praise God, and begin to speak words of life. Activate them. Come on, somebody. Why would he stress that today? It's because just how serious the words that we speak are. Most people don't even understand the significance of their words. They don't understand that they've been created in the image and likeness of God. And that when God created man, he made man with the ability to speak. In other words, he made you and me a speaking spirit. And he demonstrated his creativity when he said, let there be light. Come on, somebody. Now, the words that we speak are not to be careless. We have a privilege and a great responsibility and golden opportunities daily to speak words of life. I just dropped by to encourage you this morning to let your words begin to work for you rather than against you. (laughs) Glory to God. I'm not just talking about going through life 
chit-chatting and blabbing here and blabbing there. I believe we need to be very selective about the words that we speak. We've been given the opportunity to speak words of life, to lift others, to bless others, to speak to things that ought not to be and to change the very course of nature in our lives. In Ephesians 4.29, he said this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may do what? Did you know that your words minister? They minister grace. To who? To whoever hears you. Your words minister grace. Mm. And that's why he instructs us to don't allow any contamination or any corrupt words to ever come out of our mouths. Because just as our words can minister grace, our words can minister discouragement. Just as our words can minister discouragement, our words can minister encouragement. Let no corrupt communication ever come out of your mouth. Not only about others, but about yourself. There are too many of God's people that are down on themselves. And I believe that the main reason why they're down on themselves is they don't know who's living in them. When you get a revelation of who lives in you, and it is Christ in you, come on, the hope of glory. When you get an understanding that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and that you are not the rejected but you are the accepted in the beloved and that it is in him you live and move and have your being. When you get a revelation of your right standing with God, the fact that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, your days of being down on you are over with. Because you're up on Him. He's in you, you're in Him. Glory to God. And so, not only watch your words toward others, but watch your words about yourself. Don't you get up in the morning and look in the mirror with an attitude of disgust. Oh man, I'm so fat I need to lose weight. No, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Size, height, depth, skinny, fat, we're all one in Christ Jesus. And we are not to let those things dictate to us and make us feel less of ourselves than Christ thinks about us. His thoughts toward you are amazing. Am I communicating today? Don't look at yourself as being poor. Well, my dad was poor. My granddad was pure. My poor. My grandmama was poor. And I guess it just runs in the family. We be poor. Well, if you're talking about your natural family, fine. But 
We're not talking about your natural family. We're talking about your spiritual family. There ain't nothing poor about God. And not only that, he redeemed you from the curse of poverty. Woo, glory to God. And so we are going to refuse to let our words be inoperative or careless. No more idle words for me. And the other thing we have to watch out for is carnality. And then say things like this. Well, I'm just saying. Oh, really? What are you saying? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This person this and this person that. It'd be better not to say anything at all than to go into the mode of I'm just saying. I think the trailer unhooked. Just went down the hill. (laughs) Hallelujah. Did you know that it's possible not to miss it in what you say? Did you know you can go a whole day without saying the wrong thing? And if you can go a whole day, you can go a whole week. If you can go a whole week and go a whole month. And just take it up from there. Now notice with me. I believe this. That lots of things church people say is really worse than cussing. Because sometimes people cuss and I do not advocate cussing. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of, you know... Who cussed on the way to church? If you cussed on the way to church, ask for forgiveness. But a lot of times people cuss out of anger, and those aren't good things. We're not advocating that. But many, many church people say things that are contrary to God's word, that are filled with fear and filled with doubt, and really are kind of an insult to God. Especially when you know better. Once light has come, we are responsible to walk in the light that we have received. See, an example of this is over in Numbers 13, I believe, that God said, I've given you the land. And the 12 spies went out And when they saw the land, ten of them were very moved by what they saw. They moved away from what God said to what they saw. They moved away from walking by faith to walking by sight. And when they started walking by sight, they started uh, displaying their unbelief by the words they spoke. They said, yeah, there's giants in the land, but... You got to be aware of the buts in the Bible. But the the children of Anak are there. And and, oh, I tell you what, we're we're bred for them. Our defense has departed from us. And we're just grasshoppers in their sight. See, they talked themselves right out of God's will for their lives, which was possessing the land, into not possessing the land and never getting into the land. But oh, thank God there were two that didn't. 
There was Caleb and there was Joshua. And the Bible said they had a different spirit about them. They had the spirit of faith. They said, hey guys, settle down here. We're well able to go up and take the land. For our God was, is with us. Our God is for us. We are well able. And they said, but we're not able. Well, the fact is, the two were able and entered in. The tw- ten were unable and did not enter in. And so, doubt and unbelief is an insult to God, especially when you know better. Look with me at Malachi chapter 3, if you would. We'll talk about this just for a moment. In Malachi 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, he said, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven... And pour you out a curse. Pour you out a blessing that there shall be not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. You know, when Jesus rebukes the devourer, he has been rebuked. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for those who tithe. For your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed. All nations are going to call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, that's great, isn't it? You know, when you align yourself with the principles of tithing and sowing and reaping, God says, watch it. Watch out. The windows of heaven are open for you. Hallelujah. Your tithe is not a debt that you owe. It is a seed that you sow. And if you are a tither, you should be claiming and declaring a harvest off of your tithes. Brenda did a great job in the offering, didn't she? She said, freely you have received. Now do what? Freely give. You see, there's the giving part, but then there's also the receiving part. And it takes faith to receive both or to do both. Amen. But that's not my subject today. Now notice verse 13. He says this. Your words. Everyone say my words. So we're talking about words. Faith in the power of God. And releasing the power of God through the words of our mouth. And then he had a very stern rebuke for them. He said your words have been stout against me says the Lord. He said, Yet you say, What have we spoken so much against thee? They weren't even aware of it. They were ignorant of it. And he said, he answered them in verse 14, he said, You have said it is vain to serve God. 
And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? You think that the Lord was pleased with their answer? No, I think the Lord was very displeased. We are not to grieve the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. And I think sometimes we need to be very mindful of our words and be very, very cautious of what we say because the Lord hears everything. He hears what we say in our car. He hears what we say in our home. He hears what we say in our bedchamber. And oftentimes people, because they get discouraged because they haven't seen yet the manifest desire come yet. Sometimes they throw up their hands and say, well, it just doesn't do any good to pray. Watch it. Or even get critical of the word of faith, folks, that we are unapologetically. And they say things like, well, I tried that and it didn't work. No, you didn't try it. It tried you. Well, that blab it and grab it bunch. I named it and claimed it and didn't get it. Watch out. If you're smart, you'll stop that. And you will employ your words to make them work for you rather than against you. It's just as easy to say, it's happening for me. Come on, somebody, say, it's happening. It's happening for me. The mercy of God, the favor of God is on my life. I'm expecting God to show up and to show out in every area of my life. Raise your hands and give Him praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> so, what do you do then when you've been sowing wrong seed? What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You do what I've done. What do you do when there's bad seed in the ground? <laughs> Brenda's saying you pray for crop failure. <laughs> Amen. You see, you can turn things around quickly. By understanding... That the seeds perhaps that you have sown, maybe just in one area of your life, have been wrong seed. What do you do? So, oh God, forgive me. Anybody ever been there before? Oh Lord, forgive Anybody ever said something about somebody that they shouldn't have said? You do not want that kind of seed in the ground. You want to pull that seed out by asking God to forgive you. Come on. Like Brenda says, pray for crop failure and plead the blood of Jesus over that ground. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
I said glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, every seed produces after its kind. Every seed. Seeds of faithfulness produce after its kind. A faithful man shall do what? A faithful man is going to abound with the blessings of God. Every seed. Every seed. Being attentive to what the Lord is saying is a seed that you sow so that you can hear from Him and implement what He is saying to you and receive the harvest off of your obedience. Being attentive in church is a seed you sow. Well, I just don't understand. I had a presentation the other day on my business and everyone fell asleep. Well, was it too hot in there? Or was it perhaps a result of seed that you've sown? This is just food for thought. I'm not pointing at anybody today. But every idle word we shall give account of. Words are seeds. Glory to God. This is why, for now, about 44 years, we've been in full-time ministry since 1977. About 44 years. This is why when we teach and when we preach, we always share the principles of sowing and reaping. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. A man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he or she will sow. So what have you been sowing? What do you mean, what have I been sowing? What have you been saying? What have you been planting? in the garden of your life. I believe that I'm looking at a congregation, praise God, that is sowing good seeds. And so it's vital then to say what God's Word says about us continually and to say what God's Word says about our bodies continuously. Don't curse the temple that God has given you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Say it with me, how forcible are right words. So put your words to work for you. And what the enemy will try to do, he's always trying to get words in your mouth that give him access. Give him No place with your words. Be very selective and be very disciplined with your words. Jesus said this, I only do what I see my Father doing. And I only say what I hear my Father saying. So when He said, rise up, be cleansed, 
peace be still, power was released. And I'm encouraging this morning to release faith with your words and the power of God will flow. It'll flow into your body. It'll flow into your mind. It'll flow into your business. The power of God will flow into your family. You will never and you will never ever see in the word of God, Jesus showing up to breakfast with his disciples and the 70 and looking depressed. and saying, guys, I just don't know what we're going to do. Things are tough. I mean, I've had it with these Sadducees. I've had it with these Pharisees. I can't imagine Jesus ever, ever doing that. What if every word that you spoke out of your mouth came to pass? I'll guarantee you, you would not say it scared me to death. Doesn't matter what we say. How much does it matter? It is a matter of life and it is a matter of death. How many of you remember when Jesus was tempted of the devil and he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and he had this confrontation with the enemy and the way that he combated Satan was what was what with what was written. He said, it is written. It is written. And it is also written. And after that third or fourth time, the Bible says that the devil left him for a more opportune time. He had been slapped with that sword. And on that day, he had had enough. And then after that 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that Jesus returned in the power of of the Holy Spirit. And he went into the synagogue on that Sabbath day. He went in full. He went in saturated. He went in fresh off that wilderness experience. He went in ready. And he boldly proclaimed, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to preach recovering of sight to the blind. Hallelujah. He sent me to take those that are brokenhearted and bring healing power to them. I mean, he shared it boldly. Then he returned the book. He sat down where the Messiah would sit. And all of their eyes were fastened on him. And Jesus said, guys, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now you think that they would have gone into revival in the synagogue that morning. But instead of going into revival, they got angry. Thinking, saying, who does he think he is? Is this not... Joseph's son, the carpenter? And they got so mad at Jesus that day that they led him out of a city to a hill. And it was their plan to thrust him over the hill 
and kill him. Because who does he think he is? But the scripture says that Jesus, he passed through the midst of them. And there may be some people around you that don't like what you're saying. There may be some people that don't like the light that you display. But you just go ahead and pass them on up. You just go ahead and pass right through the midst of them. And you keep moving on with God. There's going to be people that love you. There's going to be people that hate you. There's going to be people that like you. There's going to be people that, well, not so much. But you just keep moving. You keep praising. You keep serving God. You keep coming to church. You keep your confession right. You keep sowing your seed. You keep being faithful, praise God. If they couldn't thrust him down, they can't thrust you down. Hallelujah. I mean, they were really upset. Now notice with me in verse 22 of Luke 4. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Now notice verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Now notice, for what? His word was with power. Oh. Your words are powerful. Your words will work in Oakland for a relative in Detroit. Your words will work in San Jose for someone that's hospitalized in Los Angeles. What do you mean my words will work? When you get an understanding and you are selective and disciplined about your words and you're living under the commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, you can speak words of life, words of health that overcome death, that overcome anything and everything that may come against one of your loved ones. But it begins by our daily words. It's not just this emergency prayer. Oh, agree with me, agree with me, agree with me, agree with me. So-and-so's dying. Well, by the grace of God and by the mercy of God, they don't have to die. But truthfully, there are so many people that are already behind the curve that it does take a real miracle. But for you and your household, if you'll get serious about this, you won't be behind the curve. You'll be ahead of the curve. Folks, the crisis of life come to all of us. And the crisis of life will reveal what's on the inside of us. You're not shouting so much over that. (laughs) Verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine because his word was 
with power. It wasn't just the preaching that Paul did. It was his words that demonstrated the power of God. Notice verse 33. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus, what did he do? Say it a little stronger. What did he rebuke him with? He rebuked him with his words. Saying, hold thy peace. In other words, shut up. Don't play around with the devil. Don't ask him how many are there of him. He's a liar. (laughs) What was that one joke we heard recently about the donuts? Yeah, tell me and I'll tell them. Somebody was trying to cast out a spirit of gluttony out of somebody. I'll come out for a cookie, the devil said. <laughs> Don't mess around with that. Just say, hold thy peace and come out. Oh, boy. We saw a lot of stuff in the 70s and the 80s. That, whew, Thank God we've been delivered. Say with me, we've been delivered. Woo, hallelujah. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out and heard him not. Now here's the key. Verse 36. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? What a word is this? For with authority and power, he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they stay for a week. Read verse 37 with me. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. It was not just the fame that this person had been delivered but it was the fame of the words that he spoke about the power and authority that was released. And I'm telling you, the enemy is shaken in his boots when you find out about this. Because a spirit-filled believer created in the image and likeness of God Once they get full of the word and become aware of the words that they speak, they are the devil's worst nightmare. You've been authorized. Put your hand over your heart and say, thank God. I have been authorized to speak words that will change things. Can the words that we speak stop hurricanes or cause a tornado to take a different path we saw it firsthand 
We were staying with the Hagans in Branson, Missouri. And a massive tornado came right through the Branson Landing where we were staying. Pastor Hagan went out on his porch. He pointed to that tornado. He calls them tornadoes. And he demanded that tornado not to come nigh their dwelling. And you know what happened? The tornado took a different path. The tornado missed the condominium that we were staying maybe by 20 yards. It went right through that area and caused devastation all around. But thank God, no evil befell us. And it's good they weren't counting on my faith because I was asleep. I was like Jesus that day. I was asleep on a pillow. And I said, go get him, Pastor. (laughs) Pastor got out on that porch and he spoke words of life and words of faith. And Brenda and I are here today because of the commanding power of faith that was given. Now listen very carefully. This did not come as a result of him putting forth an emergency command. This came as a result of him living a lifestyle under the commandment of the Lord, filling his life with the word of God and exercising his authority and maybe even some small things in life. You got to exercise your authority in some small things, praise God, so that when the lion and the bear go down, the Goliaths have got to bow their knees. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, I hope you're not in a hurry. I mean, we can sit in movies for three and four hours. I mean, about stuff that is just lame. People can sit in movies and hear them taking God's name in vain. All sorts of junk. Two, three hours. But when it comes to church, bless God, you better be done by 1230. Well, you know what? It's lame to go on and on and on when the Lord isn't in it. But when the Lord is in it, it's okay. So if you'll just give me a couple more minutes, I would greatly appreciate it. Say with me, how forcible are right words? I sat on a hard bench and watched the San Francisco Giants bite the dust to the Los Angeles Dodgers. My behind was sore. I'm looking at Brenda and I'm saying, I can hardly wait to get out of here. That was a several hour experience. You're getting more today than that fifth game of the playoffs. Say with me, I'm authorized to speak words that will change things. Notice verse 38. I'm almost finished. And there arose, and he arose out of the synagogue, and he entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with what kind of a fever? 
And they besought him for her. And he stood over her. He's demonstrating the power of God. And he rebuked the what? Have we heard a lot about fevers lately? Should we put up with fevers or should we rebuke the fevers? He rebuked the fever and the fever left her. And immediately she rose and ministered unto them. That's the best use of your healing right there. Once you get healed, start ministering. But she rebuked the fever. This is not prayer here. He's talking to a fever. Can a fever hear? If fevers can hear, your kidneys can hear. I thought I'd get a better amen. (coughs) If fevers can hear, your heart can hear. If fevers can hear, your customers can hear. Customers come in now in the name of Jesus. If fevers can hear, your pocketbook can hear. Hallelujah. Your very physical being came into existence by the words of his mouth. And since they came into existence that way, they can be altered by words. So speak to indigestion. Speak to your blood. Speak God's word. And the power of God shall be released. And when the power flows, the very landscape of your life will be changed. If you don't like what you're seeing out here, change the words that you're speaking daily. And begin to see by the eye of your faith things turning around for the glory of God. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit of God and the power of God. Father, right now, may our words all week long demonstrate your grace and demonstrate your power now in the name above every name, the name of Jesus.